John chapter 3, verse 1. We read, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is uh, with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed." But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for this morning, the chance just to gather as uh, your saints around your common gospel and your word, even, even as we cross cities and paths, Lord, uh, to experience the true family of God. Uh, we pray for... Uh, new Pastor Timothy and his family as they travel today. Uh, may you bless them and may they be nourished by your gospel grace even in their travels, Lord, wherever they may be. And we pray for our souls this morning that we'd receive your word and be nourished uh, even through weak vessels and, and preachers such as myself. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. What if I were to tell you you cannot see the kingdom of of God? Or what if I were to tell you, you cannot enter the kingdom of God? Or what if I were to tell you, 
you're condemned already. And I'm not saying that about you, but all of these statements ride on the question, have you been born again? This is because to enter the kingdom of God, you must believe in God's Son. And to do so is to be reborn. Okay, well, how might we do that? Well, this morning, you'll hear Jesus explain how you're born again. And in the first half of this sermon, Jesus will explain what Nicodemus is missing. Okay? In the second part of this sermon, Jesus will explain the testimony that Nicodemus rejected. In two verses before this text, in John chapter 3, Jesus has refused to entrust himself to the crowds who believed in his name. Make no mistake, who believed in his name. But wait, wait, didn't we just say that to enter the kingdom of God, you must believe in God's Son? We did. But Jesus, in chapter 2, verse 25, says, He himself knew what was in man. Next verse, now there was a man. So Jesus knows exactly what is going on inside of man spiritually. He refuses to entrust himself to the crowds. And then we get another man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, who comes to Jesus by night. So literally and symbolically, Nicodemus steps out of the darkness of night and comes to Jesus who is the light. If we remember maybe John chapter 1, verse 4 of Jesus, it is, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so here, John has created a showdown of sorts. We have one of Jesus' own people, a ruling Jew, step out of the darkness of night to try and comprehend Jesus, the light of the world. And everyone reading John so far should ask, how? How does the light overcome darkness? How does Jesus handle this? Well, first, Nicodemus does exactly what the crowds do. He cites Jesus' signs. This is why Jesus also rejected the crowds. So in verse 2, we read, Uh, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This is not a good start. Of course, Jesus' signs and wonders are supposed to point to the validity of his ministry. Of, Of course, you must at least believe in the signs. The problem is what is missing. See, Nicodemus believes that no one can do these things unless God is with him. But what's missing is Nicodemus believing what those signs point to. They point to what Jesus teaches and claims about himself, his testimony about himself. You can see the difference, which means Nicodemus is as blind as the crowds in chapter 2. So how does Jesus handle this? So we read, Jesus answered him, Verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Okay, so Jesus is, is not changing the topic. Nicodemus understands Jesus' signs to mean that God is with Jesus. And Jesus is taking Nicodemus' claim straight on. And he contradicts Nicodemus. It's as if Nicodemus said, we see what you do, and clearly God is with you. And, and Jesus says, no, you don't. Uh, you don't see it all. Why? Why? Because unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thinks he sees, but Jesus knows. He sees what is in man, and Jesus exposes Nicodemus as blind. But Nicodemus, is, he's determined to comprehend the light. He asks in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Be born? And this continues to not go well. So almost sarcastic, uh, Nicodemus, he asks the obvious without comprehending, leaving Jesus to now explain what being of the Spirit really means. So Jesus answers, it's verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Well, there we have it. What was it the crowds were missing? What was it Nicodemus needs? They need to be born again. Specifically, they need to be born of water and spirit. And this is where we're going this morning. Because to receive Jesus' testimony, to see the kingdom, to enter his kingdom, requires nothing less than being reborn from above. And the logic, it's simple. Simple, like begets like. So foxes give birth to foxes. Birds hatch more birds, but spirit produces spirit. This is quite problematic for Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus, we have a ruler of the Jews. So by demanding rebirth by water and spirit, Jesus is saying to him in no uncertain terms that every fleshly accomplishment Nicodemus has is insufficient. Being a Jew, not enough. Descendant of Abraham, inadequate. Protecting the law of God during Roman oppression, zilch, nada. Being circumcised, nothing whatsoever. Going to synagogue, worthless. Temple, obsolete. You must be born again, Nicodemus. We may remember again in John chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, Jesus is saying something like this. Nicodemus the kingdom that's coming, it's, it's, it's now here, and it's, it's something totally different. It's something totally foreign to you. And you're so dead, so blind, you'll need to be reborn. You'll need to be born again into a new creature by the Spirit. That is when you'll see and enter the kingdom of God. On the surface, this, this may seem discouraging, as I'm sure it was to Nicodemus. 
But digging deeper, digging deeper for a second, this is God's grace to us. Because what Jesus is announcing is an utter redefinition of the people of God. See, the people of God will not be known by what land they live in, the food they eat, or if their biological ancestor is Abraham. The people of God are a people who are born again by the Spirit. And Jesus continues to clarify this act of God. So he says in in verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, as I'm sure we were all doing, you marveling. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Right when we thought we would get clarity on how to be born again, Jesus wraps this up in mystery. This is very intentional. So if you take the time to read through John, you'll, you'll notice that all the time, all throughout the gospel, people are asking Jesus, where did you come from? And the people never get it. They never get it. Jesus comes from above. He came from heaven sent by the Father. He was conceived by the Spirit. His kingdom is not of this world, etc., etc., so the crowds, they, they cannot receive Jesus' testimony about himself. And they only see him for his signs and his miracles. They're literally unable to see and hear, even though they see the works of the Spirit. And Jesus is rebuking Nicodemus here. And just a couple of chapters earlier in, in John, Israel actually received the Spirit's testimony. During John's baptism, John the Baptist, or Jesus' baptism from John the Baptist, in chapter 1, uh, verse 32, we read, John bore witness, and he says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So in other words, John the Baptist is the opposite of Nicodemus and the crowds. He saw the activity of the Spirit in Jesus, and John bore witness about Jesus and believed. Nicodemus and the Pharisees, they've seen the same. They have seen the Spirit of God act and have been, or have seen that God is with Jesus. But Jesus is saying, you have no idea what the Spirit is doing. But why, why so harsh and direct with, with Nicodemus? Well, let's remember Nicodemus' opening words to Jesus. He claims, this is Nicodemus, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So Nicodemus and the Pharisees, we know, Nicodemus and the Pharisees will claim to know while simultaneously rejecting Jesus' claims about himself. And Jesus' response is consistent you know nothing, nothing. And so finally, Nicodemus, he gets right to the point. He asks in verse 9, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Indeed, Nicodemus should have understood these things, and all over the place in your Old Testament, especially the prophets, are statements of spiritual renewal, cleansing, 
And uh, I just want to read a sample that's very relevant from Ezekiel 36. This is verse 25. It says, I will sprinkle clean water. Water again. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from your, all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Do you hear the spiritual renewal language? It even includes water. We have a new heart, a new spirit. This is exactly what Jesus is announcing. And Nicodemus, as a teacher of Israel, most certainly should have understood the spiritual need of Israel and her new covenant anticipation She's not vibrant and alive. She needs a new heart. She needs the spirit within her. Nicodemus, all is not well in Israel. She needs to be reborn. In the Old Testament, and in John 3, being reborn is a way of saying the spiritual renewal and promise to Israel. And over and over again, God promises his spirit, a new spirit, so that things like, you shall know that I am the Lord. And here in John 3, the, the issue is the same. Israel must know her God. And here Nicodemus is staring at his Messiah, and he's missing it. And Jesus knows this. And he will now make it clear that Old Testament theology is the least of Nicodemus's problems. But Jesus continues, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. When Jesus says, you do not receive our testimony, the you, it's plural. Plural you, y'all. Right? In other words, Jesus is responding to Nicodemus' statement from the beginning. We know that you are a teacher come from God. The plural we being again the, the Jewish leadership the Pharisees. And Jesus stops talking to Nicodemus as an individual and rebukes Israel's leaders as a whole. You, plural, do not receive our testimony. This is the real problem with Nicodemus and why Jesus has to explain all of this. This is why they need to be born again. And actually, it helps us define being born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means that you have heard, received, and believed the testimony of Jesus. That testimony is how the Spirit works in your own soul mysteriously, and you know that you're reborn if you receive his testimony. But Nicodemus isn't reborn. Jesus has descended from heaven. He and his disciples are bearing witness to the things of heaven. And Nicodemus and others currently reject their testimony. It, 
It's as if they've said, uh, love the signs, Jesus, but we'll pass about what you say about yourself and your message. Thanks. Thanks. We'd rather keep doing what we're doing over here. And Jesus moves on from Nicodemus. We won't hear from him again in this section. Jesus transitions now from explaining the problem and Nicodemus' need to be reborn. And Jesus will now explain the testimony that Nicodemus rejected. So he begins first by giving an Old Testament illustration. We, we read this from Numbers earlier in the service. And for Israel, Moses had to lift up a bronze serpent in the wilderness because the people were being judged by poisonous sta- uh, snakes uh, from God for their sin. Many died. But when the people repented, God provided a sign, right? For them to look at, be healed. He says everyone who is bitten when he sees the bronze serpent shall live. And this is the same for Jesus. Nicodemus didn't know it, but Jesus Christ would be lifted up on a cross to die, and yet, repenting and looking to Jesus' accomplishment on the cross is what grants eternal life. And there's a problem here, right? Because from a fleshly perspective, from an earthly perspective, Jesus Christ lived, suffered, was rejected by his own people in Rome, he was lifted up or exalted on a cross to be crucified, was buried. And in terms of a sign, in terms of a sign at the level of the flesh, that is a worthless sign. What use is a dead guy to you and I, right? But from the the perspective of heaven, however, the testimony from heaven These realities are what will cause you to be born again. Because Jesus' life lived the perfect life you could never live, suffered the things we all deserved, endured the rejection of his own, died the death and endured the wrath of God that was ours. And after being lifted up on the cross to die, he is exalted at the right hand of God. And he sends down his spirit upon the people who believe in him. This is how we're born again. This is the testimony that Nicodemus and the Pharisees could not receive. Being spiritually reborn is accomplished by looking to Jesus' death on a cross and seeing there instead a man exalted by God who has secured for us eternal life. And it's in this context that we arrive at John 3.16 for this is how God loved the world. That he gave his only son, that the one believing in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We are born again to have eternal life through one thing only, believing in God's son who is exalted in his death. And some of you, you, you actually may not even be Christians here this morning. I don't, I don't know this congregation as well as, as some of you, but you may not even be Christians. And, and, and maybe, in fact, uh, not only may, may God not exist, but even if he did, you know for a fact he doesn't love you. Life is hard. You're stuck. Your relationships are a mess. Your career is a dead end. Your kids are, are all, all over the place. And if there's one thing you're certain of, about regarding this life, it is that God does not 
love you. But here I'm, I'm happy to tell you, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong to measure God's affection toward the world by your current lot in life. And this morning, I would extend to you the powerful, spirit-renewing testimony, the manner that God loved the world, is that he gave his only son, so that should you believe in Jesus, you should not perish and have eternal life. To experience God's love in your life and be born again requires simply that you receive what God has already done in his perfect son on behalf of the world. Now, on the other hand, uh, there are lots of us who believe and we're sitting here today, and yet this is just as relevant. Because how many, how many of us have thought or said the words, God does not love me right now, or God is not pleased with me right now. I mean, I have. I have sometimes. And, and there's any number of reasons why each of us may say or think that in our hearts. And we often view God's love as something we earn, and we interpret life, life's events through that grid. God gives me what I want. God loves me. God denies me what I want. God is displeased with me. Or, I did godly things yesterday. God loves me. I made some mistakes today. God is displeased. See, the problem is that God's love is already decided, and he has already accomplished salvation. God's love is, it is set Sealed, sufficient in his Son. Your role is not to earn God's affection. Your role is to turn and receive God's testimony about his own Son and receive eternal life. And people who are reborn get to experience that truth every single day and remind each other of it every single day. Yet we, we know not everyone receives the Son of God and Jesus is clear on his teaching here as well. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. It's stark and clear. And for Jesus, there's only two options regarding eternal life in himself. One, you either believe who he says he is, you were born. Or two, you do not believe who he says he is, and you're condemned. There's no other scenario, no plan C. The only question that matters in the new kingdom is what you do with Jesus Christ and his claims. That's the only thing your soul can trust in and be saved. Rejection means to be judged. And Jesus says in verse 19, this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus is the light of men. And in this sense, Jesus exposes 
the true intentions of mankind. Wicked people do not come to the light lest their works be exposed. Uh, people do what is true. They come to light so that it may be clearly seen. But in the Gospel of John, characters interact with Jesus in a symbolic way. So negatively, in John's Gospel, Nicodemus, he came questioning at night. All right? The rulers of Israel will come to Jesus at night to arrest him. Judas will betray Jesus at night. And all over the place, literally and symbolically, people are going to display who they really are by how they respond to the light. And in reading these verses, you may think somehow it says that we're saved by our deeds, by what we do. And while it's, it's certainly significant what we do, the emphasis is on the clarifying nature of the light upon the deeds of men. So, you see on the surface, the actions of maybe the crowds, of the Jews, Nicodemus, even Judas, uh, they're disputable. They're disputable. They're, they're just trying to protect their interpretation of Scripture. Uh, they're just trying to be good Israelites. They're trying to protect their community from the likes of prostitutes, lepers, tax collectors. They're trying to purify Israel too in their own way. They're just trying to protect themselves from Rome lest an uprising happens because of Jesus, right? Except they're not. Their works were not carried out in God. And Jesus is exposing the hearts of men. He is the light. And once Jesus is inserted into the moral equation, all objections and all the masks fall away. And the Jewish leaders, they're revealed for who they really are. As we'll say later in John, they're children of Satan, preventing the people from receiving her Messiah. So you can spin it however you like, but Israel's leaders would rather continue in the obsolete than turn in joy and receive God's promised deliverer in Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now, on the other hand, there are those of us who love the light and having believed in God's Son, we will, to, uh, to borrow an abused phrase, we will be on the right side of history. We will be vindicated as reborn sons and daughters who are having believed what is true and come to the light. Our deeds will be revealed as works being carried out in God. And over and over, Jesus rebukes Nicodemus and by extension ourselves in our spiritual stubbornness we need to be born again. We were dead. We were spiritually blind, lost, and nothing inherently in ourselves qualifies us for eternal life. And it is renewal from the outside of ourselves, which is the only remedy. To what do we look to for rescue? We look to the testimony of the one who descended from heaven, who bore witness about himself, and God in his love sent his son, Jesus, to die on our behalf. And by trusting in the testimony and work of Jesus Christ, we now receive 
eternal life. The affection of God himself. And we're made totally new by the power of his spirit. So today, today, be encouraged by a God whose disposition towards you is determined and proven in the giving of his son. And may his spirit may move powerfully among us as we're either reborn into a spiritual life or be further encouraged as we look to the Son, and we are continually renewed by his exaltation on the cross. May we, as a new creation of God, love the light and have our deeds revealed as works being carried out in God. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for this morning and uh, for the clarity of your gospel in your Son, Lord, we praise you as creatures who uh, have received your testimony, who now get to call you our Father as new creatures in Christ, having been born again. And Lord, for those of us who that is not the case, we ask for your Spirit to move powerfully and even mysteriously as we hear your testimony and are made new uh, by the power of, of God. In your son's name we pray. Amen.